And today I'm with Andy Dovgan, who's the Chief Growth Officer at Creatio. Welcome, Andy. Matt, it's a big pleasure to be here today. Uh, really, the pleasure's all mine. And I think we were reflecting earlier, we first met in, in uh, 2019, and I've had the pleasure of kind of watching from the sidelines of quite an amazing career you've had, even in that short time. So I'm really excited to dig into that with you today. But to start with, I'd like to give people some context. Uh, you are at Creatio which I think is possibly the best player in your market space that many of us have never heard of. You're effectively competing against some real industry titans like Microsoft, Oracle, and Salesforce. So can you please tell us, who's Creatio? What do you do? Uh, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about how you're competing with these big guys. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Look, and uh, I, I must uh, admit that that was one of the best training sessions I attended, the ones that you Narrated uh, so really good, uh, incredible job. But uh, coming back to Croatia, so the way how we uh, think about ourselves, we are a global provider of uh, one platform uh, to automate your industry workflows in CRM with no code, right? And uh, if you think about our story and kind of the major promise that we uh, we give to the market is that you know every time when you're going through a change. Uh, a change is hard and a bigger change is even harder. And uh, what is the most, I guess, often word that you hear when you're going through a change? It's no, right? No, it can be done. No, we don't have resources. No, our backlog is so full. No, you know, you, you want to automate your onboarding process. You want to get your customer quickly through assistance. No, you need to wait, 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 right? So, and uh, the kind of uh, benefits that we bring to the table is that we give you the freedom to own your automation and turn those no's into yeses so that you can hear much more yeses and, and you can go uh, from, from one place to another much quicker and with that freedom. And we do that because we offer you unlimited customization, ability to change things without having, a prof having uh, professional development skills, being able to con configure and uh, create your own application or your own workflow, really simple. And we do that everything in one platform. And we believe it's a very strong message and there is a big interest to that. We are growing very fast. And yes, we do compete with some big boys um, in the block, but we're kind of inspired with that. And uh, it's, it, it's a fun place to be. And uh, right now, as the company goes through uh, stages, uh, I believe now probably is the best time in our uh, history. I hope that we will also like have incredible time in the future. But now I, I'm totally enjoying every day being here at Croatia because the team gets bigger in our global offices. We, we have amazing traction with customers. We have amazing traction with partners. The product is awesome. So it's, it's incredible. So this is a, there's a very interesting analog for me because back in 2004, I just met what was then the hot darling of the industry, Salesforce, which now has become more one of the dinosaurs really in the industry. But back then, you know, we had uh, just under 500 employees, very similar size to Creatio today. I was so excited to join that company because we were changing the rules. And, and, and you know, if I think about where Creatio is in your, in your life cycle, it feels very much the same. You know, the people we talk to that are Creatio users and customers are total evangelists. They, mm -hmm. you know, they've got the new religion. And, uh, and from what I see about the employee uh, surveys and your, your Glassdoor reviews, people love working there. So I, I think you're right. I think now is a really fantastic time to join. 
Yeah, and you know, one of other attributes of the company, and then probably we'll move on, move on with the topic, is that uh, we everything that we do, we do with genuine care, right? It's uh, uh, something that you probably not experience a lot with uh, enterprise vendors, when uh, there are lots of situations when companies and people are being treated as numbers. Uh, we, we care and we mean it, and um, we are kind of giving our hand first and then think about business. And uh, the entire culture... Um, that is reflected actually in my career is about that, right? So how we can be engaged, how we can help people, how we can uh, grow together and how we can care about uh, people that are around us and this uh, growing business. I, I love it. So let, let's talk about that. I mean, you've got a fantastic role now, chief growth officer, but you didn't get there, uh, you know, uh, from, from the scratch. So can we talk about your origin story? I'd love for people to, because you really are an international man of mystery. We'll talk about this more yeah. because you, you're very well traveled, spent a time with many different cultures. So when you joined Creatia, I'd love to know where you were living and the role that you, that you first took on. And maybe you could tell us the size of the company back then. Yeah. So uh, when I was joining Croatia, actually, I came from HR background, believe me or not. Uh, my initial uh, degree with psychology, with uh, medical psychology, uh, I loved that era. But with my, I guess, uh, uh, personality, it just felt uh, not, not like a um, right place, um, uh, I guess. So uh, I moved to HR and I, I felt like HR is not my place. I felt bored and I wanted, uh, wanted to sell because I started to train salespeople and every time I go to a room with, uh, with the salespeople, they would ask me a question, do you have sales experience? And my answer was like, no, and I was trying to work around that. So that was a little bit embarrassing. So my initial thought was, why don't I go and get that experience, kind of hit my number, kick ass, come back, and then I will be a really good trainer. But when I came to kind of the sales and to uh, Croatia, so Croatia was my first kind of sales job I ever had, uh, I felt like it's a much uh, cool, cool place in the States, right? I never wanted to, wanted to uh, come back. So uh, when I joined Croatia, I joined as an account executive. Uh, the team I joined it, uh, in Europe, uh, and uh, the team was about 125 people, and the sales team was uh, much smaller, smaller than now, right? And I probably was the only one who didn't have any sales experience, so I needed to catch up, right? And uh, I remember uh, I was reading a book, and um, the book had a very clear statement like if you want to be successful and this is something that you're trying uh first time you need to uh kind of outperform or everyone around you so you need to be there early and you need to uh get out of your kind of working desk uh, uh lately uh, late um so what i did I, I was getting into the office the first i was the first one to get into the office that was waiting like I, I was working until there is no one in the uh, in the floor, and then I was leaving. And I worked in, the, in that kind of uh, way for uh, seven, eight months. So that, and then I felt like uh, I started to feel confidence, and um, I started to feel uh, that, that I understand the profession. It's interesting. All things being equal, there's no no uh, nothing you can swap out for hard work, right? Is is really putting, putting the effort in. So yeah. So talk to me about this. So you you came in, you you established yourself as a successful account executive. How long until you took your next role, and what was that? Uh, it was very quickly. Uh, look, um, I probably spent as an account exec seven or eight months, and then because we were growing, and um, I got an opportunity to. Uh, to, to start building up my team. Uh, the team was relatively small, only uh, two people. And uh, I started to report to my CEO. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, before that, I didn't have leadership experience. And I also 
never worked uh, for like a CEO or a general manager type of role. Uh, so it was a lot of learning, but I received lots of support. It was challenging, but also it was a good combination of uh, ex- high expectations, but also high invitation. Uh, and that uh, helped me to go to that uh, w- without lots of stress. And then also as I started to build team, I made all possible mistakes uh, with the team because you know, it's just like you, you can read all those books, visit all those training sessions, not yours, of course, yours is the best, uh, but you, you, you still need to kind of go through all those moments of truth and experience yourself. And after that, you know that this is something that you do, this is something that you don't do, and you know why. I understand. And so when you took your team on, was that in Europe or was that when you moved to the US? No, that all all was in Europe, right? And uh, actually, when I moved when I moved into the uh, when I was moving to the US, I already had a, quite a big team in Europe. I was managing about sixty people, I guess. Uh, and uh, then I got an opportunity to move to to the US, to Boston, and um, I, I got very inspired with that opportunity. I felt like yes, it was the right time. And um, yeah, I moved here, and I was I started to build up a smaller team, but it was kind of uh, new new opportunity and for me it, it felt uh, really really fun let's help people connect the dots so what year was mm-hmm. it you joined Croatia uh, I, I joined Croatia uh, 11 years ago 11 years ago so we're talking about 2010 or thereabouts yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. okay and then and then uh, your next role after being a frontline manager I'm assuming was a manager of managers was it you ran the European sales team? Yeah, so the way how it was structured, so I, I was an account exec, and I got to say, uh, manager position, a right? team leader position. Then I got to director position. Then I got to VP position. Then to chief sales, and then moved to the growth function. So that's how I moved through uh, the roles. Uh, I started to manage uh, my first individual um, contributors after seven, eight months uh, with the company. Then I started to manage my first manager, uh, managers, I guess, in two, three years after joining the company. And then I got to my C-suite role probably five, five, six years after I joined the company. What was the big difference, if you can remember back, between managing individual contributors and then all of a sudden managing the managers? How did your focus change? Well, uh, I believe this is a different type of a role uh, to some degree uh, because now, like when you manage uh, individuals, it's a lot of, uh, it, the, the, your playbook is about deals and um, cadences and making sure that it's a very re- repeatable, uh, repetitive uh, kind of a cadence. Like, do you have enough of a pipeline? What are the top deals? How do you manage those deals, those top deals? Uh, then you have a right deal structure and so you go and execute, execute. And then you also naturally, if you're, business is uh, kind of competitive, you naturally get involved into those deals and you spend a lot of time with your reps, meeting those customers, structuring uh, those opportunities, but also like contribute to winning, uh, winning them and being an executive sponsor and being very uh, hands-on. When you start uh, managing managers, uh, your focus is so much more in, in, in uh, growth and enablement and uh, systems and processes and structures and removing frictions because then you have much less access to opportunities themselves. You, you now have uh, a, little, a little bit different agenda focus on uh, executable engine, but still you, you, you have a quota to hit, right? And you need to find, to find this a fine balance. If for some reason one deal slips out of your quarter, 
you have to like uh, act and you have to get involved. And I, I guess one of the most important pieces is how you find the balance between solving for a tactical issue and getting your number hit this quarter today now so that everyone around you feel super comfortable. But then how do you build up for the future and how do you find uh, the right balance and time distribution? For me, it was the most challenging aspect because I always stemmed into uh, coming from um, this competitive space and having good personal sales skills. I always uh, I was always tempted to go and help to close deals, focus on large enterprise opportunities. And then I made a deliberate effort to shift my focus towards enablement functions, towards, uh, towards people functions to make sure that we're building up for scale. And I think it's a hard transition to make. And, and there really hasn't been any textbook, right? And, and people learn from the people that they were managed by. It's a very difficult transition and shift to make. So let's talk about that. I understand that Creatio has a really powerful approach in terms of hiring and enabling their sales teams. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that. Yeah, and uh, we uh, moved through a couple of uh, stages in our evolution. So if we, if we talk about hiring process, I think now it's a very well-documented approach. Well, from one hand, we understand that the market is super competitive. So we want to go through all the stages really quickly. And by the way, Matt, you, uh, you talk about that on your training. And actually, I made lots of notes from that, from that uh, session. Uh, so we try to organize a very seamless process that is friction-free and you can, uh, can complete it quite quickly. But in the meantime, we accommodate for all the needed steps and we synchronize questions, we synchronize the profiles to make sure that we have a very objective uh, opinion. We have uh, a lot be lots of people kind of giving you their opinions and, and um, kind of scoring against the same uh, card and the same uh, list. And then we also incorporate a certain additional criteria that help us to constantly raise the bar, right? So we always ask ourselves a number of questions. Uh, for example, does, do we believe that this person will elevate the current team? Or do we believe that, uh, like, if I to bet, would I bet that this, uh, this person will become super successful in Croatia and why, right? Uh, so uh, in, in, alongside very scientific approach uh, with very defined questions and scores, we also have some additional things that help us to also have this emotion there and have a healthy debate. Uh, so that's that's how we hire, and I think we also on a quarterly basis we review the numbers and we're trying to introduce better process and we try to streamline it for candidates, but also streamline us for efficiency of ourselves. And the ultimate idea uh, in mind, which is not a big a big surprise, is uh, trying to find a candidate that we believe will be successful uh, in our organization. So it's a really big win for them and really big win, uh, win for us. Uh, now, uh, when we move to enablement um, side of things, uh, we what we did, so we interviewed a lot of uh, sales enablement uh, leaders out there, and then we decided to take one of our best sales people here, uh, here in Boston and uh, use his tenure, use experience, and kind of build up the manager, managerial skill because all the candidates we, we spoke with, they were kind of missing some critical pieces that this individual um, has and I, it's it's uh, since then it was a sincere pleasure and incredible journey working with him. Uh, so um, we uh, and we started to build up the enabling functions that uh, included a very well thought onboarding process. Also, we have focused on a number of knowledge aspects. So we uh, train you on our product and value props so that you understand like what we are selling. We are training training you on uh, all sorts of different business models and use cases so that when you hear 
uh, because um, step back, uh, Croatia is a very wide use tool. Like we can automate, for example, in a pharmaceutical industry, a process of drug registration. It has nothing to do with CRM, but when you hear those kind of processes and use cases, you should be able to connect the dots and understand Croatia can be a good fit. And for that, we do lots of kind of use this map and we try to structure different verticals and use cases in a very digestible way so our team can uh, relate to it and use it in their sales conversation. Uh, and then we also work on the sales skills and specific sales tools, though we, uh, we, we already have kind of a bar uh, when, we, uh, when we, we get in people into the company. So we do expect you to know uh, how to structure a discovery call. We do expect you to understand how to work on a solution or say an ROI uh, business case. Uh, you should know the basics. You should have experience do, uh, to do that before. And now on the onboarding, we're trying to kind of uh, uh, cut those corners and help you to understand how we do this here in Croatia and how we can elevate the game. Uh, but we, we're not trying to like install those skills uh, from a, a ground zero because it just takes a lot of, a lot of time. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, the, the the profile of role at Creation is very appealing to someone like myself. I did a postgrad in finance. And so I ended up working with some companies that were like uh, Creation, very broad. Back in the day, it was called Electronic Data Systems, it became Hewlett Packard mm-hmm. Enterprise. So people that might get attracted to go to a consulting firm like an Accenture or a Deloitte, where you get exposed to all these industries and all these different challenging business problems, would serve themselves well, I think, to look at a company like Creation because you get this wealth of experience. So there's opportunity work with so many different business profiles and roles within those companies. I think it's a very intellectually stimulating environment. Um, that, yeah, that's actually a, a very good point. And uh, we certainly will start using that in our discussions with candidates. Because uh, when you are in an, in, a, in an environment where it's kind of a repeat uh, scenario, like you learn one motion and then, then you go and repeat it. Uh, so probably for those who are really good at it and they know how to make great money and uh, achieve great success uh, they're doing that but it's difficult to enjoy it for a long period of time and that that's actually uh, coming back to a question about career and why i stayed with croatia for that long is because it was always intellectually stimulating right and like the uh, as the company was growing but also as we uh, as our space uh, g- got transformed uh, for example this idea of low code no code completely changed uh, the game for our company. And um, we, we, we always were doing like lots of no code and low code customization capabilities. But then when it got really popular, we, uh, we started to make uh, lots of shifts towards, towards that uh, market. Yeah, I love it. So, and briefly, how is the hiring, you're thinking around hiring changed in the sort of post-pandemic world? Is there anything different now in terms of either the way you hire or where you hire people, or is it pretty much the same? Uh, you know, uh, before uh, the pandemic, we were very focused on greater Boston area. Uh, but then, uh, as lots of different companies, we started to hire in all sorts of different uh, uh, states and, and then also countries. Like in Europe, we started to um, to hire people in Germany, in France. Uh, we were, uh, Before that, we were uh, trying to find people with language skills back in London because we were creating those hubs. Um, uh, but this released... Uh, a lot of uh, possibilities for us because we got so much more comfortable with uh, remote uh, people. But we also, we started to put together structures uh, and systems in place so that we can uh, work with remote employees in a very comfortable way. So uh, that's why it significantly increased our capacity from a hiring point of view. Uh, But also from a profile uh, point of view, we did make uh, certain changes. 
because like uh, for example there are lots of kind of there are lots of you know, people out there that uh, know how to sell in person and they're like strong networkers but they would probably struggle with uh remote selling uh, and the reason being right now the uh, this discipline and um a consistent approach uh probably is even more important than personal charisma and some energy level because it's a little bit more difficult to share your energy level while remote but it's difficult to substitute uh consistency understood so let's talk about that you mentioned a few different countries and i think you personally have quite a rare experience and you've sold in north america europe apac and the middle east and i was reflecting that i actually remember before the pandemic um i was learning about you bouncing around and I, it was like basically within one month you were in the maldives qatar spain and austria it's like yeah, crazy you got it you got it's, it yeah, yeah it's crazy I, so, I, 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 yeah i do remember that email and actually those were, were the destination and we got three deals out of, out of that visit so one of the most successful trip i ever had it's great I, I i still won't believe you if you told me you went to the maldives for a deal i think i know why you went there and it's for the beach but anyway let's move no, on i uh, i i stayed i stayed in the, in the capital like you don't want to go it's an incredible country incredible uh incredible place but uh it's not really how to say touristic destination the capital is not the touristic destination so i haven't seen all that beautiful places unfortunately oh. only from my plane i better not see photographs of you on the beach but anyway uh, <laughs> uh andy how would you explain to folks sort of your what you've observed in terms of the difference in selling motion selling style that your people need to adopt and you you adopted as you think about those different regions what is there anything major and so that you would just a few points you could pull out for us yeah so look uh the way how i think about that um there are cultures uh, where where people are like have exclusive and exclu inclusive uh um kind of a, uh attitude towards uh people who are selling from outside right so there are cu cultures and countries that would love uh, people from like outside to sell to them like and this will be like this uh, the, the, there are a number of organizations that will sell that no that will say no we don't want to work with locals we want to work with someone who is uh, outside and uh that's uh first uh, first category the second category there are some countries where you just cannot sell uh, outside like you 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 can try but for example japan one of those or china you just you can try but this will be an uphill battle uh you, you but the ideal ideal of course you need to have uh, a combination of those and then uh another point i wanted to make is that uh sales styles and uh, relationship styles will be very different uh you still there are still some fundamentals uh you need to build relationships you need to show respect you need to uh to, to show care uh you need to uh, outsmart and um, outplay your competition but the way how you do it uh, is very different right right you mentioned for example uh, apac uh in some, some of those sales environments uh, people who are coming from us sales style when it's all super structured super efficient super organized like i'm getting sometimes emails and i'm uh, having a good laugh like if you were to send that email to someone in um, apac region uh, you would literally insult people but this is just an email uh, in a sake of uh, written in a sake of efficiency but it's not um, uh, how it uh, should be done for example in those regions and people who don't have empathy to that uh, culture or haven't done their research they can uh, fall fall uh, short because uh, they're not prepared uh, in some cultures for example everything is uh, very slow and you kind of need to be ready for that and uh, it, 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 you can try to accelerate 
but there is only so much you can accelerate. So you need to have this patience. And if you lose your patience and you try to kind of accelerate and speed up, uh, speed up people, uh, then you probably will get negative reaction. And there are lots of other uh, experiences and examples. Uh, if you even sell inside Europe, like selling in Germany will be so much different uh, with selling in France. Like selling in France, when you go to uh, a lunch and you would have a good wine and you have a good conversation and it's part of the business culture, and then selling in Germany, like you need to be super on time, super organized. The, 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 the way how you moderate your meeting is uh, very important. Uh, and it very connected with the, the ultimate impact that you want to make. Those are very small details. Of course, we can dive, dive deeper, but I think that this cultural empathy and understanding of different uh, sales cultures and behaviors is super critical if you scale uh, globally. Yeah, that's that's 100% get it. And as you know, I've lived and worked in Asia Pacific and uh, and run global teams and, and people don't get it. And it's important. It's quite hard because some of your people, especially as an executive, you're dealing with all sorts of different regions. And you need to quickly switch your brain in terms of even mm-hmm. your written your written email style as you are dealing with different regions. Now, look, mm-hmm. uh, you've, you've taken this new role, Chief Growth Officer, and sort of in our mm-hmm. final few moments, I'd love for you to just to help sales leaders out there, revenue leaders, perhaps think about what it's like to make that transition because now you're not on that monthly quota, you know, hit your four guys. It's similar though. You, you're now responsible for demand gen, the SDRs, the brand, um, enable all the stuff that goes around this to make the sales organization successful. Can, can you just share people what's a day in the life of a CGO look like? What are you focused on? How are you measured? Yeah, uh, look, um, uh, in regards to the responsibility, so um, I uh, oversee as you I rightly mentioned lead gen and uh, pipeline growth in general. Then I oversee our brand, which is the most exciting part, I guess. And um, that's one of the reasons why I joined because I, I really want to help uh, the company to significantly expand our brand uh, exposure. Uh, then it's uh, uh, product marketing and sales enablement. When I work with uh, R&D very closely, I help with initiatives like, for example, product-led growth or uh, all sorts of different materials out there. And um, also we work with sales organizations in regards to the enablement functions. Uh, and I also support our sales engineering uh, roles uh, to make sure that they have enough data and information from the product to make sure that you know, we have a repeatable process uh, over there. So in regards to the biggest difference, uh, I, I'm, uh, I do agree with you. You mentioned two points and they both are uh, on point. So first, if you're on an executive position, uh, life, professional life is never easy for you. Like it's it's fun, it's it's an excitement, it's lots of passion, lots of energy, but it's never easy. So that's why uh, I don't have a quota, but still I have lots of commitments and I need to report to board and I need to be on executive sessions and I want m- my um, executive team to succeed. And I know that I'm a very important part of uh, the, the, the cycle. So that's why uh, it's kind of, it's a little bit different feeling, but uh, if you are trying to kind of get away from your commitments, it's probably not not the best path. But uh, I do und- uh, I, I do share this point in regards to uh, changing a little bit of like your mindset state because when I was in the sales position, I was getting out of bed with the idea like how much I need to make, what's my, my quota number, and I was going to bed, I was thinking about my quota and the number, and when I was dreaming, I. In 90% of the time, I also would think about uh, my quota and my number. You need now, to get some when, hobbies, but that's okay. We yeah. Can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, when I go and run, I sometimes also think about that. So, um, but now when, when I get to, to this role, it get, it has much more 
room for creativity and you kind of you are in a little bit different state uh, you still have the sense of urgency you still understand that you need to act each and every day but in the meantime you kind of you, you have this luxury of saying all right so how can we change the game how we can elevate we can it's not a little bit more of a creative side of the dialogue and it's also combined with a very repetitive uh, repetitive um, cadences so this part that allows you to think big uh, think creative and think about growth and kind of taking off the limits, right? And say, well, if you do this initiative, uh, that, is, that is, sounds like a risk, but it also has a very high, high reward. Do we wholeheartedly believe it will bring us a result? Because uh, in comparison to sales, you never know, right? And there are not that many signals that you can get in the very beginning of that journey until you, you've done it. But then you have to have a strong belief in your team in, in this idea. You need to have a strong acumen and understanding of the market to take that risk. And I found that being the best, uh, the best part of, the, of this role. I love it. Well, Andy, I think we've got to the end of our time right now. This has been really, really tactic and in insight packed. So I really appreciate it. Uh, you, you know, you're, you've had a really wonderful ride at Creatio. It doesn't stop here. You're now on that, you've, you've hit that next step and off you go again. So I'll look forward to catching up with you in 12 months time to see what this is. Stanza has been about. So thank you again so much for giving us the time today. Absolutely. And it, uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the call, uh, it's an honor. I, I really do believe that as a staff that you do, Matt, and your team is incredible. It's a, of a very high quality. So for those um, of, of, of the audiences who haven't attended uh, those sessions, I strongly recommend that. Thanks okay? so much, Andy.